Hey, welcome to episode three of Conversations on the Turtle. Um, we are reading from Ashtanga Hridayam from chapter one, uh, starting with a Tridosha Lakshana. And in my book, that's on page eight, if you're reading along. Uh, I'm Danielle. And I'm Cecilia. And we are burning through this text, really, on episode three. <laughs> We're on page eight, so we're really, we're like, by the year 2050, we will have completed this project. (laughs) Right, for real. Um, Today is uh, actually, we're recording on the 4th of July, which is a full moon day, and it's uh, Guru... Purnima, which is the day of, um, we're supposed to uh, bow to our gurus on this day. So I think it's an appropriate day to read from this text because yeah, I think so is, too. It is our our guru of sorts, you know. It is, or and it's directly from the gurus, right? Yeah, from um, yeah, exactly. Um, it's, also- it's a pretty guru is a pretty heavy word in in the West. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe everywhere, but um, just thinking of it as teachers is pretty nice, right? So, so thanking your teachers. Um, the books certainly are right, written by teachers and are t- continue to be teachers. And anybody who's taught you anything, and sometimes that's inadvertent. Like my son is my guru in some ways because I'm constantly having to chill out when he's doing something that drives me crazy (laughs) and I learn about myself through that you know um and like extend that's one example of many yeah in life yeah and so I mean in so many ways like everybody we meet is a teacher in, in a little bit right some reflection we can learn if we're open anyway and that's maybe a pretty that's a a very open definition of what a teacher is but it's kind of true every experience we have you can learn something about yourself or the world around you yeah and i think that in some ways that's like i guess part of the part of the learning experiences or part of knowing oneself is to turn every interaction into a learning experience right uh through observation yes and it's because it's the fourth of july that means it's summer in the northern hemisphere and in Virginia it's really hot <laughs> and so I'm getting to learn again <laughs> um, I'm getting a reflection of myself in the heat and how how sh- how my body does not agree with it <laughs> <laughs> and I get this lesson every year <laughs> I'm sitting here sweating um, we don't have air conditioning currently and so <laughs> I get to have my environment be my teacher today <laughs> Oh god. Um, I don't want to rub it in, but it's like I'm up in Vermont recording right now and it's um probably 75 degrees. Oh my gosh, I'm so It's and, you know, it's really funny at about so um Beatrix doesn't like to go to sleep until it's dark and because we live in a um tiny house we don't have um, the you know the room that everyone talks about with the blackout curtains for the baby where they can actually settle down before it's dark outside. So she will take kind of a later nap and then wake up a little bit and actually go to sleep around nine, which is when it's getting dark here right now. And 
at some point in the later evening when she wakes up, we usually walk around the farm or to the mailbox or something like that. And it, it always feels so cool when we first walk outside because the house has absorbed heat through the day. Um, and then five minutes later, we're like sweating. <laughs> we're like drenched in sweat. <laughs> like I really want to take a bath again. <laughs> um, it's super humid there too, right? It's so humid. Yeah. Today, actually, it's not that hot. It's only... Um, I think it's like 89 or something right now at around noon, which is not terrible for here, but it is really, really humid. Um, and that's maybe the hardest for me. The The dampness is, um, it's tough. Yeah. They don't like to move around a lot. <laughs> it's energy sapping. It totally is. Yeah. It's like last summer when I was pregnant, um, I was, I had a relatively easy pregnancy, except for I was so tired during the first trimester, which was during this time of the year. And I would, I would eat something and then just like have to nap to recover from the energy that I exerted, um, moving my hand to my mouth <laughs> with a spoon. <laughs> and it was just like, I would lay down and take these naps and it's just like, I'd wake up and I'd be like, oh, I just slept for two hours. And then I'd, I'd take another nap in the afternoon. So yes, just existing in this kind of heat and humidity is pretty, um, it's tiring. And I mean, Austin, my husband is a farmer. And so he is moving because it's not, we don't have animals or it's not big enough to have like a real um, like a ride behind tractor. He moves a lot of things by hand. So yesterday, I don't know how many hundred pounds of wood chips he moved around, but I watch him and I'm like, I'm, I'm tired just looking at him move around. <laughs> <laughs> but not to dwell uh, on the heat. I, but it's um, funny. but I that's think a teacher that, um, too, right? We can, our environment. <laughs> I, uh, I, it's also, today's also an eclipse and, um, the days leading up to and following eclipse are also extremely energy sapping. So they say mm. that right now um, you're supposed to take it easy as much as possible because it it really like like the energy it's like or it sucks the energy out of you. Um, so you you've got double double energy sap right now. <laughs> right, and this is the third eclipse um, yeah. in the last six. Wait yeah six weeks right i think so yeah i think they started in june or something <laughs> right uh at the beginning so, of june we're almost um, out of this little eclipse season <laughs> yeah and then things are supposed to lighten up a little we hope we'll see yeah we hope <laughs> <laughs> in the world <clears throat> we did get to go swimming yesterday though we went to um my husband's parents house even though they're out of town but his sisters were there and we had a little socially distanced swim which was nice um to be in water did, did Beatrice <laughs> go in? their pool it, she you know she sat on my lap on the steps and she slapped her hands and really enjoyed it which was fun she's been in the pool before but did not she did not enjoy it um and she seemed to like it yesterday, which was fun because I love the water and Austin loves the water. And to have a baby that didn't love the water would be a little bit tough. <laughs> yeah. <definitely. laughs> Plus, definitely. it's a survival mechanism in the heat, right? You have a cool bath outside that you can get in to, to bring your body temperature down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I lost for a second. <laughs> Okay. No, it was, I was just talking about swimming and how nice it yeah. is to cool your body, your body down. Um, but that's, I feel like that's a nice little, unless there's something else you want to talk about, I think that's a nice segue into 
the properties that we'll be discussing today. Tridosha Lakshana. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to start today? Sure. All right. So Tridosha Lakshana, properties of the three doshas. Um, and if you listened to the last episode, we talked about the doshas. Um, so here we go. We're going to discuss their properties. So Ruksha, dryness, Lagu, light and weight, Shita, coldness, Kara, roughness, Sukshma, subtleness, and Kala, movement, are the properties of Anila, which is Vata. Uh, Shasneha, slight or un- slightly unctuous. Tikshna, penetrating deep. Ushna, hot or heat producing. Lagu, light and weight. Visra, bad smell. Sada, free flowing. And Drava, liquidity, are the properties of Pitta. Snigda, unctuousness. Shita, cold or producing coldness. Guru, heavy. Manda, slow in action. Slakshna, smooth. Mitsna, slimy, and stira, stable, static, are the properties of kapha. And the note there is the above are some of the natural and inherent properties of the doshas. And more information about the doshas will be found later in chapters 11 and 12. Both in their decreased and increased states, the combination of any two doshas is known as samsarga and all three as sanipata. Um, this is kind of like the uh, introduction to a very important concept in Ayurveda, which is like increases like. Yes. And opposites balance. Yeah. Um, so I actually thought a really neat example of this was we at some point something that we listened to was talking about eating apples and how they could be good and balancing and somebody made the comment or asked the question about um, they thought apples were would increase vata which is true and i was thinking about how it's maybe the way we well this might be too complicated actually maybe i should come back to this but so like an apple itself is light and airy but we also eat apples on the move i feel like we should come back to this this is like four steps into what we're what the properties are so why don't we come back to that one should we read the next one and then um yeah we'll kind of tie more of it together yeah do you want me to read that one too uh if you want i can it's up to you um go ahead okay all right i mean i feel you had to read so much last time because of beatrix so (laughs) um (laughs) datu and mala (laughs) you're like you're gonna get the most out of this right now you're like beatrix is outside i am reading (laughs) yeah i'll read (laughs) well you should take advantage of it too right (laughs) like be like okay you read now all right uh so datu and mala which is basic tissues and wastes um rasa plasma how do you say Ask. <laughs> do you do you want to do you have a um, how would you say asterisk? Yeah, blood. It's always a little bit tough when the R is the vowel. Um, Maybe like mamsa asterisk. muscles. Asterisk. An, yeah, yeah. yeah. Asterisk blood. Mamsa. Sorry to all the Sanskrit scholars out there. Uh, mamsa muscles made us fat. Asti bone. Maja bone marrow and shukra semen are the seven datu. Or basic tissues and are also known is 
douches, those that get vitiated by the doshas. And then malas, waste products, are the mutra, urine, shakriti, krit, sakrit, feces, sveta, svet, sweat, <laughs> etc. And then the note is these will be described again in chapter 11. Uh, and then back to the actual text is vridi, increase of all of them, the doshas, datus, and malas, is caused by the use of samana, similars, and is and is its opposite decrease by the use of riparita dissimilars. The notes then say, each of the doshas, datus, and malas has its own pramana qu uh, quantity, gunas, specific qualities, and karmas, functions, which in its normalcy, samya, is conducive to health. They sometimes undergo vritti increase and chaya, Kshaya decrease in their quantity, one or more of its qualities and functions, which are both known as vishyama abnormality, which will lead to, which will lead on to ill health. Use of or association with substances, qualities, and activities which are similar, same or identical with the material, qualities and functions of the doshas, datus, and malas bring about their increase whereas the use or association with substances, substances, qualities, and activities, which viparita, dissimilar opposite, bring about their decrease. All right. That was a very long way of saying exactly what you just said, which like <laughs> increases like, and, and um, it, so opposite decreases. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't have a lot of notes for this. I think because especially it's it's just the introduction to concepts that we are going to dive into later um, or that the book will get into more heavily later. Um, I haven't been taking super intense notes unless something comes to mind. Yeah, me either. But I, I think with this one, it's just such a... It's one of those concepts, I think even with the introduction, it's worth at least like thinking about it for just a minute because it's an, it's certainly for me, it's an Ayurveda moment, right? If you, <laughs> if I think about the summer, so I'm hot and I'm kind of sweaty. And if I eat something heat producing like chilies, mm -hmm. I get hotter. And that can seem so, I don't know, it's sim it's so mundane, it can almost slip by you. Yeah. But if you take the time to to actually think about it and then um, internalize that and maybe change behavior, how big of an impact that can actually have on your life in general. Definitely. Um, right. It, it's interesting too, when I, when I started studying Ayurveda, I was a runner and um, I was like very thin. I, I like weighed nothing and I was running a lot and I was kind of obsessed with like eating salads and um, it was it's interesting. I also like had quite a bit of anxiety at the time. Very like it was a lot of vata, you know, I was running, uh, which is physical, uh, a lot of lightness and air and motion. Um, and then I was eating salads, which are vata heavy because they're uh, vata because they're very light. Um, and so my system had a lot of vata in it, and I began to look very vata-like um, 
which is weird because I've never been a very, I've always been somebody with a medium build. Um, and I started to get very like lean and almost like fragile, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, like the, this, the action and the substance, um, the subs, the actions and the substances that we put in our bodies, like will change the way that we look and feel and carry ourselves. Um, at the time too, I was also like really addicted to bananas but i mean it's so it's funny to think of like my body was like oh you need something to ground you like eat six bananas a day i was actually eating like six bananas a day because they were like free in the cafeteria it really is a lot of bananas (laughs) at one point i was like i was like all right you need to like make an effort to like only have one banana a day i had to like train myself to eat a banana a day (laughs) to cut back that's really funny when i was in a vata phase um i also had a lot of bananas during that time were you in india then no i was in i was in denmark and i was traveling so the job that i had there meant that i traveled um at least once a month somewhere that involved so it was plane travel um and i was running a lot and i was also it was the winter and i with a friend we were trying the winter bathing so we would get in really cold water and then get in a sauna and we did that several times a week (laughs) i was just doing a lot of things (laughs) i was kind of in a phase where i was experimenting a lot lot and moving around a lot it was a lot of vata and the thing is so then i have you ever heard of uh, reynard syndrome i think is how you say it it's this i you have to remind me yeah, so it's an overreaction of uh, your your nervous system, and it's usually in your extremities. Women typically get it in their thirties, or that's when it's an on. That's when onset typically happens, and um, because they overreact, it uh, the blood flow through your capillaries gets cut off, and so your fingers end up looking like. I mean, they're super cold, but they look like they're dead. Like your hand just doesn't have any blood in it, or your fingers don't. And so that started happening to me at the end of this. <laughs> So it's an, oh, I mean, honestly, like for you and also for me, like any one of those things taken on its own. So for instance, if you were running, but weren't eating all the salads and doing all yes. the other things, your body could handle it. Right. And my yeah. body, if I was, if I was just traveling, that's fine. Or if I was just, um, uh, doing the winter bathing thing without all the other, uh, confounding factors, then it would be okay. But it was because I had, um, the lightness and movement from the running there was a lot of like subtleness to what i was doing i was going all over the place and there was coldness inducing or like extremes and movement and it was just like my body couldn't handle it and if you read all the literature about reynards it's kind of they say once you have it it will never go away i only had it that one year um after that i made some bigger lifestyle changes and i went to india for a little bit but when i went back to denmark into the cold i was more stable more grounded and i didn't i never came back i have it was only it was only a couple months that i had issues with it um, which is kind of interesting i didn't realize that you went to india and then went back to denmark after yeah so i went to india for a while and um then i went back to denmark and that's when i taught at a i lived in a yoga shala and um worked a little bit at a daycare and things like that so i went back for a year plus and then i moved back oh, wow to the u.s yeah 
Um, yeah, it was like almost a year and a half before I then came back to the U.S. after that. Um, um, so you, I thought, so you were, you spent like a year in India too, right? Or was it like- It was, it was like nine months that I was okay. in India. Yeah. Um, and, and then and went back to Denmark. Is that the first time, because you studied some Ayurveda there too? Yes. And that was my first, so I had been practicing yoga and I had never really heard of Ayurveda, to be honest, before I went there. And then the first week I was there, I lived, um, so a family had built a little addition onto their home and they had four rooms for people who were coming to study yoga. And I lived there with my yoga teacher in from Denmark and then two other random people. And I think it might have been like the first night or the second night we were having dinner together and somebody mentioned Ayurveda and I was like, oh, Ayurveda. So I immediately bought some, you know, a Kindle book and read it and then uh, found the little clinic in town, which was nice to actually learn it from a person. Yeah, that was my first exposure back then. Yeah, so I think, I mean, one of the just the these two examples from both of our lives it's just really neat to see what these mean on a day-to-day basis so what are these um and what what do so they what look is, like on a like what do they look like after like a long time like how they can show up after a long time you know like a, after right lot it's interesting for me like I, I think I mentioned this before, maybe in the last episode, but like when I started studying Ayurveda, I developed like a pretty heavy kapha imbalance because I was treating all of this vata, you know, right. I was like, oh, yeah. I have a vata imbalance, but I actually didn't have a very, it wasn't a bad vata imbalance. It was, I should have just made some minor adjustments and like allowed my body to recover, but I kind of went all out um, as a newbie <laughs> who was trying, you know, under trying to understand my body and get to know it. And, um, and I'm realizing now that because I have a lot of kapha in my constitution, the amount of vata that I had was too much for me, but the exercise was probably pretty good. Like running did suit my, my lifestyle and it did suit my constitution to some extent, maybe a little bit less of it than I was doing. Um, and, uh, I also really do pretty well with Vata, um, uh, you know, kapha balancing foods, um, maybe fewer raw salads would have been better for me. So like making those kind of adjustments, like subtler adjustments would have been better than going 100% in the other direction, thinking that that was the best way to balance things out. Um, and that's kind of like what I learned by making that mistake. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 That whole like learn, you learn the, pe- the pendulum swings, right? Mm. Um, I mean, I was lucky too. my, I mean, the, my life forced me to balance the vata or I, ch- I mean, there was some like good sense thing. When I showed up in India, I slept for the first month, essentially. I think I've told you this before. Mm. I had been moving around for so long um, and hadn't ever really rested or let myself rest. And the first month I went and I practiced yoga and I took a Sanskrit class that was two or three days a week. And then I just slept, like I napped, I slept 10 hours a night or something like that. And my body then balanced out from its its 
vata pitta imbalances from the years before. Um, but it's so easy to swing from one way to the other to go from that extreme lightness to like the heaviness, right? And yeah. it's, it's really in little tweaks, unless you have a really long term imbalance. And even then, like your body does better with small adjustments rather than big ones. It's interesting to the, um, like you mentioned, studying Sanskrit and being exhausted, like not only from, you know, traveling so much and not resting, but the amount of digestion <laughs> that is required for your brain to be able to absorb all of that new information in addition to your body recovering at that time. Like Sanskrit classes were probably totally exhausting. Yeah, of course. And also, I mean, I had just come from digesting a new culture that wasn't my own anyway, right? I was in, I had come from Denmark, and I'd been in Denmark for a while by that point. Mm. But um, it still wasn't my own, right? And I had never given my body the time to digest that. So I think I think my body needed to, I, I mean, it was so much that it had to work through. Um Mm. And it was a really beautiful thing to rest. I, we don't value rest enough, I don't think, in our culture. <laughs> yeah, I uh, we definitely don't. I the idea of um, the the first time the idea that like I would be tired from learning to uh, ever came up was when I was studying in Japan for the very first time. Before I left, a friend of mine who had studied abroad, I think she studied in Argentina, she was like, oh, bring a big bottle of ibuprofen with you. And I was like, why? <laughs> and she was like, I got the worst headaches of my life while I was living in Argentina because I was having to, you know, my brain was just working overtime, translating between English and Spanish. Um, and I wasn't used to having that much exposure to Spanish. So I was exhausted, and I would get really bad headaches every day. And I thought that, you know, that was like a real long time ago, like, I think I studied in Japan for the first time in 2010. Um, I, I thought it was kind of weird, but I, I paid attention because she had said that and I was I was exhausted the first time I studied in Japan, you know, like when you travel, uh, the travel itself wears you out. But like you said, like adapting to a new place and um, navigating languages, um, it's, it's like another level of digestion in your body. And what you eat during that time, too, can have a lot of impact on you. Um, you might you know, like you need to eat food that will help your brain to do the work that it needs to do. Um, I actually, it came it, when I was studying uh, Ayurveda, when we were in school at Kripalu, actually, I felt this a lot. I was pretty exhausted. And I we were sitting a lot of the day, we spent a lot of time sitting and taking, like just being in lectures from what was it like seven in the morning to like nine at night? Sometimes we had some really long days there. And I was, um, at the end of the day, I was dead, dead tired. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't, we don't talk about that enough that you need, I mean, what does digestion look like, right? And how does that affect your body? But learning certainly and being mm. in new places is, it's, um, yeah, like being in a new culture and having everything is a struggle, right? I wear contacts and uh, the first time I was in Denmark, I was running out of contact solution. And <laughs> I was just like, 
that's so simple, right? You don't even think about it here. There are so many different places you could go get it if you need it, like toothpaste, right? Like you don't have to think about how to get toothpaste if you're in your own country. But then when you're in a different country, you have to like, what is what is the word for toothpaste? Where would you actually buy it? And contact station, <laughs> it turns out in Denmark, you have to buy it from an optometrist. Oh, wow. So they don't just sell it in like a drugstore. <laughs> but it took me a really long time to figure that out. And so this these things that are so simple, they just take more effort. And the whole entire time, your, your brain and body are having to like process what you're going through. Um yeah. yeah, it's funny. That's interesting. The whole like bring a bottle of ivy perfume. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think. I mean, the I maybe a different piece of advice for that would just have different realistic expectations for yourself. Like, what can you actually do? And recognizing that you're when you're whenever you're in a new situation, your body is having to adjust and work through that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and, and also just, like, everybody's, it might look different for you than it does for me, you know? Like, yeah. just to pay attention. Um, sure. What other? Yeah. Well, we, I... yeah. I mean, it's neat to, it's interesting to look at the I just like the idea of properties affecting your person, I think is really neat. And maybe that's the main takeaway. That was something that I wrote down in my little notebook here. Um, mm -hmm. And how that wasn't something that I had ever thought about, or at least not put words to before, um, before studying Ayurveda and how that can be really helpful. Um, if you can put words around it, right? So mm. during my Vata derangement, if I could have actually just seen what I was doing and noticing the qualities of everything that, that I was doing was actually increasing and increasing because everything was the same. You know, I'd go for a 10 mile run and come back and eat a salad, I think. 10 miles, <laughs> <And> then, whoa. <laughs> I, know, I, I got into like running for a while and I really liked it because the temperature was so nice there. I just like go out and go for a run. Um, yeah. My running, I mean, I ran about, it was like my meditation, and I did it every morning at like five. Um, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, and you know, when you have a baby, and you have a kid, I mean, Ansel, I think by the time I started running, he was a little bit older, but you don't see the night sky as much. No. You just like go to bed with your kid. And um, Ansel was probably four when I started running, maybe five. So... It had been a long time uh, where I just felt like I wasn't getting enough stars <laughs> in my life and I didn't see the moon enough. And when you live in the city, you don't see a lot of that anyways. And um, But five was, I mean, that's also a very Vata time of day. Um, yeah. So this, the air is light and thin and I started running through winters. So it was very thin. The air was and the stars were so clear in the sky and um and in a way like i think that i i was very aware of the fact that i was running at that time because i needed to be out in the dark um because yeah. i needed that element in my life and um yeah it um it was 
definitely a meditation, but I never did like 10 mile runs. No way. <laughs> I did like about two and a half to four miles at the most on a good day. But my yeah, daily I mean, run was about two and a half miles. But I mean, distance is always, it's like kind of, it's always relative, right? What does it look like for different people? And what? Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost not worth mentioning, to be honest, because it doesn't. It's... I'm just in, I'm just impressed. Like, I'm like, oh my oh. God, I don't think I've ever run 10 miles so much. <laughs> like, and I was running like daily. And I was, I, the idea of running 10 miles just for the hell of it, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I, I don't Austin will probably never listen to these so I can tell you but he used to have a thing where he was like it's not worth going for a run unless it's like over 15 miles or something <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's impressive uh, <laughs> yeah um, the other thing I wanted to anything- mention about the this particular portion is that like so we introduce these concepts and the concepts increase and can decrease the doshas in the body and then we introduce the datus and the the mala and um the datus the tissues of the body are then are then kind of vitiated by the doshas so in other words it's saying that in order to keep your bodily tissues healthy you have to balance the doshas in the body and so these L- these um properties these we, we call them qualities um these qualities are um you know dryness lightness coldness roughness subtleness movement um you know pe- uh tikshna penetrating and deep hot heat producing um, bad smell, <laughs> all of this, all of these things that we mentioned before, these things, when we get too much of them in the body or too little, um, the tissues of our body then can be affected by that. And, um, and understanding the relationship between the qualities and the, um, or the gunas is what they're called in Ayurveda speak um or in sanskrit uh the impact understanding the relationship between the gunas and the tissues and the doshas is important for understanding um disease in the body and um yeah i just you um it's yeah it's really important i or just the idea that what we do affects other parts of our body, right? <laughs> that these things can have effects on all the different tattoos and on our... Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. It does. Um, I think a little bit about... The, so there's... We'll get into this later, and we don't need to harp on it right now or really even explain it that much, but the, the tattoos are listed in that order because that's how they're nourished, Mm. Um, and you think about something like, actually, this just occurred to me as you were talking that my nervous system thing, my, so that's the maja, the bone marrow, mm-hmm. Two, three, four, five. that's the sixth one down, which means that honestly, by the time I'd gotten to there, I was actually pretty depleted, um, which also means that's why I needed to sleep a lot when I was recovering. But you think of, uh, there's sort of a problem with infertility in the world right now in general. Um, 
And that just means that we're all really depleted because we've gotten down to the Shukra. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like when I see people, I'm really dealing with a lot of issues with um, the nervous system, you know, whether it be anxiety or um, and when I see people, I mean like clients, like a lot of people come to me with issues where they're um, they're anxious or depressed and um, and it says something about how the different the tissues that come you know plasma so blood <laughs> and plasma blood muscles fat and bone aren't being supported when you get to that point yeah and what that means long term to you right? um, if you end up so if like anxiety or um osteoporosis or things like that for long-term depletion of these of these datus yeah um, we um we have so I can I say one more thing? Yeah, yeah. Just like our obsession with lightness in in life <laughs> and how we have to balance that. Like I mean you so we both ended up with these vata things, but in general we are obsessed with light things in the in in this country at least, right? We're we want things yeah. to be skinnier and um less like heavy almost has a negative connotation in some way but we need that we need i mean so guru is the word for heavy but it so gurus are supposed to ground you in some way and we need grounding it is not a bad thing to be um stable to be static right yeah definitely and i think when i was running too in the back of my mind i was like looking for um i really wanted to be lighter i wanted to like lose weight i wanted to have control over my body like you know and that's not it's not a bad thing but it also um when done in excess um you can lose some of your stability and you can lose some of your ability to like the tissues that come your tissues aren't always being nourished so you have to be aware of how much you're doing and um and what you're eating when you're doing that and like you said yeah all right so let's move on yeah so we can let's get through more than two pages today (laughs) (laughs) um maybe i'll do the next two together um the intro to the six tastes and the alleviation of doshas by tastes yeah that's a good idea okay so, uh, Shadrasa, uh, six tastes. Svadu, sweet, amla, sour, lavana, salt, tikta, bitter, ushana, pungent, kashaya, astringent, are the six rasas, tastes. They are present in the substances. Each one is more strengthening to the body in their order of precedence. Notes. Taste is also a guna quality of every substances. Each substance may have one or more tastes, which becomes known when the substance is put on the tongue. The first clearly recognizable taste is known as pratana, pratana rasa, um, primary taste, and the remaining tastes, which are recognized later are, and mildly, are anurasa, secondary taste. In respect of giving strength to the body, kashaya, astringent, preside, provides the minimum. Ushna, pungent, a little more, and so on. Svadu, sweet, providing the maximum. Um, alleviation of doshas by tastes. 
The first three tastes, Swadu, Amla, and Lavana, alleviate, mitigate, cause decrease, <clears throat> Maruta, Vata, they give you a lot of different words for every word you learn, so Maruta is apparently Vata. The three starting with Tikta, tik, um, with Tikta, so that's uh, Tikta, Ushna, and Kashaya, alleviate Kapha. Um, kashaya, Tikta, and Mathura alleviate Pitta, whereas the others cause their increase, aggravation of the doshas. Uh, notes, Madhura is the synonym, synonym of Svadu, sweet. Others cause increase is explained as follows. Tikta bitter, Ushna pungent, and Kashaya astringent cause vritti, increase of Vata. Amla, sour, Lavana, salt, and Katu, pungent, cause increase of Pitta. Svadu, sweet, Amla, sour, and Lavana, salt, cause increase of Kapha. Properties and actions of each taste will be described again in chapter 10. I actually broke all this down in plain English because I found it really difficult to follow um, in Sanskrit and then like because they go back and forth a lot. Um, so where did I put that? Page six. So um, basically to alleviate vata, it's sweet, sour, and salty. To increase vata, it's um, bitter, pungent, and astringent. To alleviate kapha, it's bitter, pungent, and astringent. To increase kapha, it's sweet, sour, and salty. To alleviate pitta, it's astringent, bitter, and sweet. To increase pitta, it is sour, salt, and pungent. There we go. <laughs> um, thanks. Thanks yeah. for... <laughs> for the explanation i mean some of these some of the i mean like for instance the first one that we read where it's like essentially the explanation is like increases like and, and opposite decreases um yeah it's nice to, to to put it into maybe like today's english or our english rather than I, indian english or i also find that a lot of the times uh in this book and a lot of books um written during this time they really want you to use your brain like they're like we're gonna say this five different ways so that way you really get it but the five sometimes it can like you know cross the wires in your head and you're like wait a second did i just read the same thing three times or was that three different things so sometimes i have to go back and reread like six times and then make notes and i'm like okay this is what it said all right I mean that's that's why it's a teacher kind of book, right? Yes. <laughs> you can't just cruise through it. So you didn't I mean that's why we're only on page ten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that and we're you actually uh, have to read it and think about it. <laughs> three hours in. Yeah, exactly. Um, so how much um uh, do you have any comments on the six tastes? Um I think as with the qualities, it's at, at this probably point before we get into it, as we will later on, um, is that it's just neat to start thinking about where they are. So in the same way that you can start thinking about where is lightness in your life or where is heaviness, um, where is, um, like, where are penetrating qualities or slow qualities. And same thing with your food, like what foods actually are sweet or sour or salty. And if I eat something, me personally, so if I eat something 
that's bitter? How does that make me feel overall? Um, and how does that make me feel in different seasons and things like that? I mean, as I use the example in this heat, if I eat something uh, spicy, if or pungent, how that makes me feel, and it makes me feel hotter, which then we would see that that actually increases pitta, right? Yeah. It's also interesting to see what is growing, what flavors are predominant in the environment in which you live during which season, and how does, Definitely. does that relate to the you know, the dosha that is um, predominant during that season. And how does that also then relate to your body and the doshas in your body and what you are trying to balance? Yeah, exactly. Um, So for instance, so kapha sweet increases kapha, sour and salty. And in kapha season, which is like late winter, spring time generally, so the wet cold season i mean like you don't have anything sweet growing on a farm then there's nothing it's Mm. all whatever you have left over which by that point is usually not sweet so cabbages or things like that Mm. i mean the early greens are all bitter right they're all um some nettle dandelion greens things like that they're things that reduce kapha any accumulation that's occurred Mm-hmm. versus um in the fall that's when you're getting that's when you're harvesting all the sweet things um and sweet and bean not just candy right but sweet yeah. bean uh a butternut squash or sweet potatoes yes or a grain that has now been harvested and you would eat then through the winter to sustain you through the lightness exactly of yeah um yeah it's in it's it's interesting and and in some ways um we wouldn't need to know all of this <laughs> we wouldn't have to be studying this if we actually ate regionally <laughs> you know we ate locally and we um paid attention to the seasons when it comes to the food that we eat um i definitely was eating salads and running through the winter <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> Um, yeah, we get so messed up because we can get anything in the grocery store. And then also our farming practices, which I now know more about than I did before, um, we push them. So people want tomatoes in right now. They wanted them for the 4th of July to eat on their hamburger. But most places, the tomatoes aren't going to be ripe for a while. Like yeah. you don't have them right now. Um, and the way they like push August. them is they cover things in black plastic. Yeah, exactly. They cover things in plastic or they, um, they're they grown in greenhouses, which is neat, right? It's qu- kind of cool that we can have things whenever we want them, but um, maybe that's to the detriment of our health. <laughs> mm-hmm. And to our environment, really. Yes, certainly to our environment. I mean, I was, I had no idea how much black plastic is used in organic farming, but it's everywhere. Like it's really? a very... Yeah, it's one of those, it's because they, you're not using sprays and things like that. It's easy. You don't have to weed things. So you cover it in black plastic and then you make little holes and you drop the seeds in there or you transplant into those. Um, and you can only use it for a year. So then you throw away all this plastic. Oh, wow. Um, which is really terrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so as you said, we wouldn't need to, if we really lived in if we lived in our environments, really with our environment, um, we wouldn't need to 
we would already know this. Yeah. <laughs> we would know this intuitively into like our body would know it and our bodies still do know it. I think they've just been removed from it. So really, if you pay attention in the spring, your body doesn't want oatmeal. Even if you intellectually or emotionally want oatmeal, your body is kind of saying like, eh, it's time to move to something else for breakfast, guys. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and because we would be connected to the environment and we would need to know this also because we wouldn't be suffering from the, um, the problems that arise from eating incorrectly or against ourselves, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think we have the the additional thing going against us in modern society is that our nutrition, our nutritional education looks, um, it takes things apart and looks at their, their macronutrients or micronutrients and says you need this to be healthy and so you should eat it. Like for instance, you need calcium or yeah, you need calcium so you should have yogurt and then people end up eating like yogurt and fruit for breakfast um which we will get into later on about why that's probably not the best idea yeah um but we so we have these things which we which perhaps are healthy taken in a vacuum but like when does anything happen in a vacuum like we live in our environment even if we're not super connected to our environments right now um and that maybe explains why you could eat a quote-unquote healthy diet by western standards and still have any number of problems yeah you know, like our our own vata induced issues that we discussed earlier. <laughs> my salads in the middle of winter after my run. <laughs> I was freezing that whole winter too. Like I was, I worked full time in an office, and it wasn't like a cold building. And I like sat at my desk with like a blanket around me and a space heater <laughs> underneath my desk. Like I was freezing all of the time. Um, and uh, it's funny because I still worked there and I was still doing that when I started studying Ayurveda. And I had like, you know, an Ayurveda moment where I was like, oh, oh, that's why I'm so cold all the time. <laughs> I thought it was strange because I've always run kind of hot. Um, yeah, uh, I've always had like you know summers have been pretty r rough for me historically. So all of a sudden I had this like complete shift, and um, and I was like, is there something wrong with me? Is it like my blood pressure? Like I was going through all of like the checklists in my mind. Like should I see a doctor? Uh, turns out I was just I had way too much vata. Because um, when I did go to the doctor, they're like, no, you're fine. Like, why Why would, how could they understand that or see, you know, if, if my blood tests come back fine, they're just going to say, oh, you're okay, you know. Um, yeah. But it wasn't normal for me to be that cold. My God. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I'm thinking I was actually, during that phase of my life, I recognize that I was cold. So if I did not have a hot breakfast, so oatmeal or something, I could not warm up the whole rest of the day. So it's kind of like what you were saying is freezing. So I, I just, that was my one counterbalance. I would come back from a run and I would have um, oatmeal See, with a hot tea. That's pretty smart because I came yeah. back from a run and I was like, well, I'm still counting calories, so I'm going to have two <laughs> eggs on some kale and um, I'm not going to eat any grains <laughs> and then I'm going to go to work and eat six bananas. That's what I'm 
in the middle of winter <laughs> in New England, where we don't grow bananas. Um, oh, really? I thought that's when they were in season in I New know. England. They're, they're always in Shoot. season in New Shoot. England. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're always at the grocery store. I don't understand. Oh, I do love bananas, though. I really do. <laughs> I do like bananas, too. I'm, um, I'm more careful with them. Um, I was told by um, our friend Claudia that uh, bananas seriously increase kapha, which makes sense, but they also clog the channels because uh, she studies Chinese medicine as well. And um, yeah. and uh, when I developed my crazy kapha imbalance because I swung that pendulum swing was a bit too rough, um, I was like, oh, no, I can't eat bananas. <laughs> like, so now I'm very, I know when to eat them, which, it's supposed to be never, but it's sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> At least you know, right? Yeah. You can, um, 80, 80, 20. <laughs> 80 Right, 20. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just don't have six of them in one day. <laughs> That's a lot of bananas. It really is. It really is. I like, they were free and they were like in the cafeteria and you'd walk in and you'd look at these like crappy apples that were like imported from God knows where. I mean, the bananas are also imported from God knows where, but they were huge and beautiful and perfectly ripe. And then, you know, there's like this free cereal bar on one side of you and then the coffee from hell bar, which I never touched. And then they had muffins. <laughs> and I was like, banana is the safest option here. I'm not eating. These. I don't know where these muffins came from. They're just like out on this table. Scary. They're covered in short drops. I was like, banana. That's it. Uh, and it went really well with my salad and uh, egg lunch. <laughs> um, shall we move to Dravi Beda? Beda. Um, I always like to say one more thing. Yeah. Just so we don't have a lot of bitter tastes in uh, yeah. our daily life. I think that's worth addressing. Like we've kind of because bitter is not. Most people don't like bitter food. At least it doesn't. So sweet, it always it it feels good generally when you eat it, right? There's something comforting about it. But bitter, bitter doesn't. Um, most people don't say I love bitter food, but it can be very therapeutic, and and general because we don't like bitter food, and because we live in this weird market economy where then the farmers start breeding thing or people start breeding plants that you know you breed out the bitterness from cucumbers or whatever we don't really have it very very frequently anymore when we need it in the summer i love bitter and i i think about this because like this it comes up a lot when you're studying ayurveda um i've always had i've always been drawn to bitter taste um which says something because i have a lot of kapha in my constitution so it, I'm naturally supposed to, you know, balance that or keep that in check with. Bitter and you taste. have, and you have a decent amount of pitta too, right? Yes. So. Yeah. Um, I really, um, I love bitter greens. I love dandelion greens. And when I did drink alcohol, I really liked um, like IPAs, but like the most bile tasting IPAs. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, oh, liquid bile. This is great. Like I really wanted like the most bitter tastes. Um, yeah, I've always gravitated towards them. And I haven't met too many other people that, um, I don't know too many other people that do. Um, or at, like when I bring it up, people are like, "Ew." Um, but yeah, they're. I had to be re-exposed it. to it 
I had to, because I didn't, because I thought I didn't like it, and I probably didn't like it as a kid, because you're not really supposed to like it that much as a kid, because most kids, you know, you're in the kapha phase of life, and you're supposed to be, you are growing, Um, but when I was reintroduced, I was reintroduced to bitter in, in India, the bitter gourd, which if anybody's had bitter gourd, they know that bitter gourd is extremely bitter, so I had a bitter gourd polya, and it felt so good to my body. Really? Um, I've never yeah, had it. You, it's, it was, it just felt, you know, sometimes when you eat something and you can feel, maybe not your taste buds saying, saying, yes, I like this, but your body saying, yes, I need this, this is nourishment. Um, it's sort of like, do you know, type one fun and type two fun? Type one fun's the fun where it's fun while you're doing it. Like, you know, it's going to be fun, like playing a video game or eating candy. And type two fun is the fun where it's maybe not fun while you're doing it, but afterwards you feel really great, like climbing a mountain or something. I've never heard of it. And I felt like bitter was... (laughs) Have you... (laughs) Um, I really like it because it's nice to know, like, is this going to be type one fun or type two fun? (laughs) Like, will I look back and think, yeah, that was great. (laughs) Or is it like... (laughs) It doesn't mean that type one fun's not okay. It's just maybe not as... It's different. (laughs) (laughs) I like this. I'm going to use this Um, all week. (laughs) Yeah, you should. And but so bitter felt like a type two um, fun or type two taste for me and that I didn't I wouldn't I didn't expect to like it. I was kind of even resistant to it. But my body after it consumed, it was like, yes, we needed bitter. And that was when it was starting to get a little hotter in India. And I had an accumulation of pitta that I was dealing with from um, my entire life but specifically living in texas for a while and just over ambition and everything else and the bitter was great so now i really i am pro bitter as well but i needed to <laughs> understand i need i just needed to understand it and be re-exposed to it you need to develop um, a relationship with bitterness in order to <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and i think maybe what i was trying to say is that's hard to do in the u.s unless you like nobody's really going to expose you to bitter things that yeah. frequently and you have to you have to seek the bitter out um except for maybe black coffee and chocolate yeah like really dark chocolate so, those would be the two that, exceptions i think that they're not that bitter yeah and like you like i was i had to be like introduced to dark chocolate as an adult like nobody in my life ate it i mean i grew up in the suburbs and nobody i wasn't exactly surrounded by people who liked food um yeah or you know anything outside of like barbecue i guess and um i i yeah nobody ate dark chocolate in my house like what was that yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> so like even that it's like an adult food it's not something that yes. children are exposed to or... no um, um yeah and also getting to uh developing a relationship with the tastes where you know which one you're tasting um it's interesting like the difference between um pungent and astringent um or what astringent really means. I mean, anything that sucks the moisture out of your mouth is kind of astringent. Um, yeah. I think of red wine. Yeah, that's a good one, actually. Red wine is great. Yeah. Have Have you ever had the opportunity to eat an olive that has not been cured? <laughs> I have not. 
<laughs> I am not, but I have a feeling you're going to tell me. <laughs> it's very. I, I will, although maybe I shouldn't, because like you know, if you ever get the chance, it might be better to just experience it. I had never, and I was in a place where there were olive trees and there were olives on. I was like, I've never had an olive off a tree. I'll just you know, I'll have an olive, and I put it in my mouth, and it was the most astringent thing I've ever tasted. Like I don't think my mouth regained moisture for an hour afterwards. <laughs> it was like it's like nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So anybody who's out there who has access to an olive tree, definitely eat one off the tree. It's a great experience. <laughs> it's type two fun. <laughs> I, I think a lot of these greens too that are like bitter, uh, they also have astringent qualities. Like collard collard greens are a little astringent. Yeah. Um on their own. Yep. Um so they're slightly bitter, a little astringent. Um <laughs> And then, hmm. I'll have to ask Austin about this, but I my feeling was having been in a CSA in Texas that greens that are bitter and astringent become more bitter and astringent if they're grown in hotter places. Hmm. But I'll ask him if that's if that's true or if it's just my imagination. But I remember getting collard greens there and then being this is back before I really understood that I liked or needed bitter or really how to cook it um and so it was a little bit too much for me but I um I'll ask him if that's the case and we can I can report back yeah that that's really interesting I'd be interested to know about that um especially like given the relationship that bitter flavors have with the doshas um yeah because they increase vata so bitter and astringent increase bata. So in a hot climate, how that would work. But also they're like, they alleviate pitta. They're pretty balancing to pitta. So, yeah. you know, in the middle of summer kind of thing, which is when they're growing. Yeah. Um, well, they're, I mean, the astringent ones are usually, they're kind of spring um, into summer. Mm. They really balance w- the water elements, I'm guessing because of their relationship with yeah. both. Yeah, I think so uh, too. And kapha. Um, yeah. And in the heat, like, you... I, it, it, heat often comes with a lot of humidity, so I'm also wondering about the relationship to the humidity in those regions where, if that's the case. Yes. You know, like, is this a humid hot or is this a dry hot? Um, that's very interesting, though. <clears throat> well... Um, so I realized the next few, so we have the kinds of substances followed by potency, and then um, the end product of digestion followed by the gunas, which it's funny that they introduce the gunas after they've already introduced the concept of the gunas, the quality. Yeah, I thought so too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, we, kinds of, sub- so maybe we should read the next three together because they're short. Yeah. And then, and then I would maybe say we should save the uh, the gunas, the qualities for the next time we talk, perhaps. Yeah, if that's okay with you, so yeah. we can maybe go through the next few, and then because um, that will be that's kind of a nice conversation in and of yeah. itself. Definitely. All right, let's do that. Uh, okay. So dravya bedaha, so kinds of substances. Dravyas, substances used as food, drugs, etc., are of three kinds. 
Samana, those which alleviate the doshas. Kopana, those which aggravate the doshas. And Swastahita, suitable for health, which maintain health. And so then we go on to Virya, which is potency. Ushna, heat. And Shita, cold, being the powerful qualities. Virya, potency of the substances, is also taken to be two. So the notes on that. Virya is that aspect factor of the substances, which is mainly responsible for the actions of the substances in the human body. More details will be found in chapter nine. So basically, um, does a does something have a a heating or cooling effect? And then vipaka, the end product of digestion. Vipaka, nature of end product of digestion, is also three: swadu, sweet. Amla, sour, and katu, pungent. And more details will be found in that in chapter 9. Um. So, um, Dravya Beda. That's a big one. Um, I, remember, I never know when you're supposed to do the Beda, Beda, ha. Is it? <laughs> um, yeah, there's some rules, but I forget them totally right now. <laughs> Hi. Um, but Basically, the, it's like the, the poison concept that's mentioned in the intro to property constitution. Um, we see here how any substance can treat, aggravate, or maintain the doshas or one's health. Um, and, and this is anything that anything can be used as a substance. So that's like yes. environment. anything. Even medicine can be poison, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty powerful um, little, uh, oh, because it is so humid here, we're getting an afternoon thunderstorm at 1 p.m., I think, or about um, 2. Nice. <laughs> I just heard thunder. <laughs> <laughs> We've been getting a lot of thunderstorms here. The other day, I actually biked home through a hailstorm with my Whoa. son. Yeah, and the, the hail was dime-sized hail. Um, I had, like, bruises on my face after. <laughs> like, oh not visible ones, but it my face hurt and my eyes were burning uh, from <laughs> from having to get home. Uh, we weren't too far from home. We were about a mile and a half, maybe two miles. Um, but my, my nine-year-old had to bike in front of me and was completely blind, he said. He was like, I Aww. could only see a foot in front of me. We had to move to the sidewalk. It was insane. So we've been getting a lot of crazy thunderstorms i think that they've passed us now but um, <laughs> but that was fun <laughs> <laughs> so i hope it cools down there i hope you don't get yeah, any hail <laughs> um yeah so and, that idea that something can be uh, food medicine or poison i think that's a that's a yeah. key one to take forward into our into our conversation in general um, to remember that. Yes. That's kind of like a... <laughs> All substances can be used for, for good yeah. or for bad, um, or can be used properly or incorrectly. Like, for instance, the salads that. that you were that, um, that we were eating, or even the bananas, right? The bananas can be... They can be just food. They can be medicine if you needed... We both needed the grounding during these times we were eating bananas, but they can also be poison if you're eating perhaps like seven or six of them at a time. <laughs> 
<laughs> at the time they were they were not probably pointing, medicine. not pointing fingers <laughs> medicine, <laughs> medicine yeah, no, it sounds like they were my, my salads um but right now i definitely couldn't handle six bananas a day it might kill me <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'd probably stop breathing. It would clog the channels. That <laughs> would just be it. <laughs> I set up the perfect, um, the perfect uh, environment for eating that many bananas a day. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Um, and then the the concept of heat and cold and um, potency of substances. Um, just being something to consider. I mean, if you think about how earlier we were talking about how we were very cold <laughs> at different points when we were putting these um, too much cold stuff in our bodies. I mean, that's like a literal translation of that or a literal um, um, how that actually happens, you know, <laughs> like yeah. cooling, cooling foods like lettuce, um, will create cold in the body. Yep. Uh, and heating foods like hot peppers will create heat in the body. Um, and those are extreme examples, but, um, it works, uh, more subtly across the board as well. And, and then, um, Vipaka, um, digestion and the relationship to for, of these flavors to the different stages of digestion, I think is something that we're going to get in more. It's a kind of a long conversation. And um, I think that when this comes up in the later chapters, we'll be able to really dive into that. Yeah, there's almost not enough information to really get into it right now, at least, yeah. you know, in the introduction. So I think, I mean, we will certainly talk about it. Mm. Turns out in chapter nine when we make it there in but twenty it, in twenty twenty four. I know we got through two pages in an, in an hour today. <laughs> Maybe we're yeah we're like two and a half pages in one hour. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, so I think that um, in short about vipaka, this end product of digestion, um, one should know that the stages of digestion are related to the tastes and they go in an order so there's an order in which you're supposed to take in taste um or you know foods of certain qualities and your body will digest them in that order and and if you eat appropriately or uh in the correct order you'll be able to get the most um out of your nutrition or out of your digestion it won't tax your body or um cause extra effort to your body um but that being said some people can ignore these things completely and they um digest fine like their other parts of their body are working great and they have enough energy to digest weird things like fruit mixed with yogurt like we mentioned earlier <laughs> so it really depends on you and what yeah your um, body it's, is yeah it's why people eat the some people eat the salad at the end of the meal rather at the beginning. Yes, which um, they don't at the really, end, right? But yeah, they, they don't really do that in the U.S. though, which is funny. They do it everywhere else no. in the world. Yes, it's just kind of like everywhere else in the world. They don't put ice in their drinks, except right? here we do. <laughs> yeah. And then we look at everybody weird, and they're like, "What's wrong with you? Why are you drinking icy drinks?" <laughs> in Japan, they serve like lukewarm, like 
lukewarm iced tea. It's not iced though. Um, in like a thimble cup with your meal. Um, in here yeah. you get um, a tumbler that's like you know a twelve quarts of water <laughs> with your meal. Exactly. Here's, <laughs> or soda. here's here's a gallon of soda to go with your meal that's been iced. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> We're like I don't understand why my digestion's so terrible. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know why I never poop after I eat these big meals. Uh, yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that's a good place to leave it for today. And, yeah, I think so too. And I'll be up here for probably, I'll probably be up here until next Saturday. So we may be recording okay. from Vermont again. On- yeah, I would say, I mean, it's nice to, we things got sort of mixed up with, with your traveling and my, just me. Um, and some sleeping with the baby but i think friday is kind of a good day so maybe we should aim for that next week too yeah i I, yeah let's do that let's aim for friday excellent great yay well and thank thanks for listening everybody thanks for listening and um enjoy your um eclipse holiday week (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah yep Don't do anything too serious today. (laughs) Yes, and don't make any serious decisions for like three days, really. Yep. All right, right, it was good as always to chat with you. You too. Till next time. All right, have a good one. You too. Yep, bye. bye.